Thanks for listening to Tights and Fights. If you like the show, go to iTunes and leave us a review like Hobo Number 4 did. He says we make new wrestling fans feel welcome, but still have deep wrestling discussion that longtime fans enjoy. So get on iTunes and hit the fives. Tights and Fights Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Al and there's Daniel and there's guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Yeah, we're a podcast. I like to talk them. I like to wrestle them. We're tights and fights. Oh, maximum fun. Do I have to keep doing that? No, I don't. Oh, that's oh a great, God, that's that such that a voice. good voice. It is. Thank you. That's Scatman Crothers. It's so bluesy. What, yeah. One of us is a professional voice actor or something. Wow. It's me, guys. <laughs> Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Hal Loveland, who thankfully never had to unmake the list. I'm joined by my fellow members of the Nation of Conversation, the true huggable one, Danielle Radford. Oh, hello. Mm-hmm. And the survivor of the House of Horror, Mike Eagle. I did that in the future? Yes. That's yeah. great. What will it have been like? Uh, it will have been scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many horrors. So many horrors. Horrors? Horrors? <laughs> you know that that's what Vince pitched first. He was like, do a house of horrors. And someone was like, oh yeah, a house of horrors. That sounds great. And he yeah. just didn't. He just It'll didn't be a house it. of horrors. Get them horrors in there. Do, do, do. Coming up on this week's show Hardcore's Not Dead, The Land of Opportunity, Dumpster Upset. But first, let's talk about. Naomi and Charlotte, who main evented SmackDown for the SmackDown women's title. And I just want to say before I jump in, I love seeing Naomi portrayed as a strong champion Mm -hmm. who took it to Charlotte. Do you both agree, Danielle? I super agree. I really, really, really enjoyed that match. As soon as Charlotte came over, I was like, I need Charlotte Naomi right now. I need it right now. I need all of it. I need the glowing. I need the wooing. <laughs> I need the woo glowing. And, and I got, and I, so I'm, I'm super, I was very, very happy. Naomi is just, you give that woman the ball and she is fucking running with it. And it's amazing. And it was so good that like even Charlotte on Twitter was like, gotta respect a queen when I see one. Which was like, K-Babe's dead. But also, like, it was just, it was nice. It was a, it was a really nice little acknowledgement of, like, fuck yeah, Naomi has been with this company um, since the FCW days. And she has really worked very hard to come into her own. And I'm just, I was so happy with that match. And I'm so happy that they got that the time that they that they were given. Yeah, it was a great match, giving great time. And a bunch of little things that were really awesome. One thing I thought was really great, um, a lot of times they'll have... Uh, Babyface come out that's a champ and you can kind of see on their face that they're like about to lose the title they spend that little extra time with it before they before they hand it to the ref and she did that and I'm sitting here thinking oh man she's about to lose and she worked me you know what I mean <laughs> and like, I did and I, and I just always appreciate stuff like that when like they set the table for one thing like even with those little small cues but then you know they all knew that the match wasn't going to have a finish as we'll get to yeah let's yeah let's talk about that for a second so it ended basically in a schmoz it was mm-hmm. a DQ finish but we had Natty Carmella and Tamina coming out and beat down both competitors even though the crowd was chanting for Becky Lynch she did not show up so she's sort of playing this walking the fence 
given the fact that it was a strong match, but it ended that way, were you satisfied, Mike? I thought that was great. I think that's actually the perfect way to end it. I mean, I think when you put the match on and you give it the time that they gave it, it puts both superstars on the pedestal. So where they're both elevated and like, okay, this is a serious match. These are serious contenders. And by taking away having to have a winner and a loser, I think that's honestly the best way to get out of that as a TV match. I mean, if it's a pay-per-view, it's a different story. But I think just to continue the storyline with this being your champ and this being the contender, I think that's great. The only problem I had with it is the fact that, you know, they had heels come in and spent a lot of time beating up Charlotte, too. Like, a lot of time beating up Charlotte. So I'm not sure if if the sympathy that beating up Charlotte would naturally garner is something that they're going to try to stick to. Yeah, let, let's dig into that for a second. We have this sort of triumvirate of females who've been throwing shade at Charlotte since she showed up, ostensibly out of jealousy. You have Natty sort of leading the charge. Danielle, do you see long-term potential in these three sticking together? I don't. It worries me because then we go back to that the era of the well the women are on teams and this is this is team fuck Charlotte or like mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> Tamina and Carmella are getting way more out of being put with Natty than I think Natty's getting. And I think the idea is you have Natty be the fucking leader and have these two kind of be the henchwomen. It didn't come off that way to me. That's true. If Natty doesn't come off as a clear leader of these two women, then it kind of makes them look like they're all on the same level. And that does not do Natty any fucking favors. I think there's a visual thing, too, where to me, Carmella... Tamina and even Ellsworth together, they look like a gang. And, and like that makes yeah. sense to my yeah. brain. And then like Natty does not look like she belongs in a gang. They're like, all in like streetwear and like yeah. casual leather. And Natty is in like her heartiest of heart outfits. Yeah, it, it does. It, <laughs> visually, it, it, it bothers me on, on that level. Yeah, you know? no, Natty comes out looking like a super villain and the rest of them look like they just got done like shopping. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I will say, shit, we got to go. We got to wrestle now. You can tell that Tamina's being submissive because she's holding the jacket real low on the lapels. <laughs> she's down where the zipper starts. So, so that's like showing your belly. That's right. SmackDown had a lot of tag team developments as well. Brizongo want to beat the clock challenge to become the new number one contenders for the Usos titles. You have two guys who've been losing over and over again. <laughs> but now it seems like this is the pattern SmackDown is following. Jinder Mahal is your number one contender. You have the Colognes coming off as threats or at least being built as threats. And you have Brizongo as your number one contenders for the tag team titles. Does this work? Are you excited for this? It's kind of it kind of feels like they're like, all right, y'all want it. You say you can do it. You say you can you have these matches and get yourselves over. Here you go, guys. And then after that, don't say nothing else to me. That's almost what it feels like because they are giving. But and but maybe it is kind of the Naomi effect where they're like, you know what? Someone we slept on for so long, we gave her a chance and she got over. Maybe we should also do that with some of the other people that are that the fans have rallied around, but that we haven't given a shot yet. I don't know. Um, I think it works in both ways. It's interesting to me that, you know, I, I'm I'm taking a wait and see approach, but it definitely feels more like a superstar shakeup. This is literally like they fucking turned over the hourglass and like boggle, and we're like, yeah. all right, guys, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a little bit too much all at once. I think the new pushes to the top 
are going at like breakneck speed all at one time and you can't help but like notice it because I know what they want to do is get new people over but getting people over is not just about like wins and losses like you have to like give people a chance to do something different and let Mm -hmm. them get over not just win a match but like give them some promo time like give them an angle give them a story you know and I think that people can get invested with them and it goes a little slower then it'll be more effective because right now all you're seeing is people who you are used to seeing lose suddenly win and there doesn't seem to be much of an explanation behind it at all yeah i mean i think you have a shot here at like the resilient tag team who doesn't win but shows that you know they they could be rocky balboa in the original rocky where nobody gives them a shot but they hang in there long enough that you go oh i guess they are a pretty good tag team then they have the rub and the usos can move on to a more prominent program so American Alpha beat the Colognes in their Beat the Clock Challenge in like five minutes and 17 seconds. That was way too long. <laughs> it did feel long. That shit was when long as hell. When they put a clock on it, it feels long. Yeah. But you now have two teams that each have a win over the other, which could harken back to an era where more than two tag teams were given space on the show. That's nice. Is that something that you're excited for? Realizing that, again, you have a team that's lost a bunch in the Colognes and then American Alpha who won a bunch but nobody cared. That's a perfect example of people built too fast. I got to disagree. I don't think that American Alpha, I don't think what happened with them is them being built too fast. I think what happened with them is they got to the title and they just had nothing planned for them after that. Mm -hmm. You know, so like they just plateaued quickly because there was no story after that. And I think like the negative takeaway from what they're doing now, because I don't necessarily feel like they're elevating everyone else. I feel like they're just bringing American Alpha down. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, Danielle? Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Um, I... I'm always excited to see more, you know, we have a lot of singles matches, so if you can give me a couple of matches from the other divisions a show instead of just one, I'm super down for it. I love American Alpha. I love them a whole, whole bunch. I'm kind of more into the Usos right now. No, for real. Of course, they're great. They're kind of... They but the Usos was another team that was like not, you know, they would do great, and then they would be like injuries, and then they weren't doing great. Um... It's really hard. I, I'm just I'm interested to see like after everything kind of settles, who winds up um, staying with these pushes, yeah. and who we see wind up going back to being jobity job job jobbers. All right, let's talk about more building that's happening in SmackDown, where they're building two baby faces, Shinsuke Nakamura, and AJ Styles, who essentially completed his turn by getting beaten down by Owens and Corbin. Does that feel like the right direction to head with him as a baby face? It's fine. I just don't I don't like AJ as a, as a face. Really? I just I don't like it at all. I wow. like I like I like my Styles heelish. He's just such a good he- and I know that we need more faces. I like a heel. I just like heels because I find that when people become faces it just becomes something so watered down and blah, blah, blah about him, you know. I do hope that in his face turn he doesn't become smiley white meat good guy baby face and this is my biggest fear but i gotta say i didn't necessarily like aj as a heel because Mm -hmm. i thought his heel persona was very like 90s weird it it didn't seem like a modern heel to me it felt it felt really (laughs) uh you know what there's anything wrong with it but he's been wrestling for like a bunch of years Yes, and it's nice to have like an old school heel around. You do because he was he was able to generate heat. I actually miss people insulting towns, which uh, See, which Roman did really well. I don't, which you we'll know, talk about. But I, to me, that's cheap. That's classic cheap heat. I love cheap yeah. heat. But I don't you use I, that mm. to get. You, you use that to spark. It's it's like kindling. 
Use that to start the fire, but then you have to keep it going in the ring with the rest of your promo. Yeah, because right. Owens uses cheap heat to brilliant effect. He yes. does. And to me, that see, Kevin Owens works as a real heel because he operates on that level. Like, he, you know, like, I am the new face of America. So that's that's oh, beyond that's... that's beyond cheap heat. And that's oh. like something you can actually manifest in cheap heat if you want to. Or you can just say that everywhere and it's automatically heat. Like, I think people use cheap heat when they don't have that, that long view kind of character, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So they're like, oh, make him say something to make people hate him. It is a shortcut. Absolutely. Yeah. It's well, absolutely a shortcut. Let, let's move over to Nakamura and Ziggler, who they finally had Nakamura speak for the first time. Every time I see him with the mouth guard out, I'm like, don't talk. Take that out. Yeah, that, that seems yeah, like a bad out. idea. Why? Like if you already, although it didn't seem to impede his speech that much, but, you know, they exchanged some words. There was, there was a little English. There was a little Japanese. Then there were a bunch of kicks. Uh, neither one got their finisher off. But does that, are you pleased with how they're presenting Nakamura so far in terms of building him up or did this did this week feel like a little bit of a misstep this is exactly who I am as a wrestling fan now right because I am I have to like pinch myself sometimes like fuck Nakamura is in the WWE which is like amazing right like two years ago you just could not have imagined this right so it's amazing and you're like oh my gosh how's this gonna go and then to see that he's programmed against Ziggler like I don't. I just. I don't know. Like, is this, this is Zig- what you wanted for your baby Shinsuke. I, I don't know. It's yeah. hard to tell because Ziggler is obviously going to put him over. But how long are they going to drag this out? You know, like I. I don't really know. Like Ziggler is just such an uninteresting program for so many reasons. And I get that you kind of have to get him in there and establish him, but. Ah, I just I just don't know how I feel about this as a program. His heel persona is so understated. Like, it's not the way to go with him. Hmm. He's big. He sells big. Yeah. He should be talking big. He's not a catcher-rising star. He's he's on the middle of a fucking WWE ring. Like, do what Gary Johnson would do. Your buddy Gary Johnson. Get big. Yeah, no, okay? he's the show-off. So why yeah. aren't you showing off now as a heel? I'm still enjoying the build. I'm not necessarily super jazzed about him being in a program with Ziggler. But you know what? I'm hoping that if everyone brings it and it winds up surprising me, I'm going to be super happy about right, it. Right. I think, yeah, the match has every opportunity to be awesome. Yep. Absolutely. It's just, it's, it seems like such a kind of stalling program, I guess, where I don't really, you know, we clearly see what the outcome is. How how long is it going to take them to get there? All right. Let's, let's jump now to the number one contender to the WWE Championship. Jinder Mahal. I'm just gonna keep saying it. What a until weird it goes sentence. Away. <laughs> so he, he, what, what a what a weird thing to say. Not only did he beat down Randy Orton, <laughs> along with his cronies, the Singh brothers, but he stole the WWE Championship. Uh, was this the right follow up to his big win? It's hard to get heat off of Orton because oh gosh, he's if just, you're not at a house show, he just stands there. Whoever's yeah. cheering for him. It's not kids, is it? I don't no. think so. No way kids like Kids don't give a fuck about Randy Orton. They'd be like, he looks like mom's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's I like I wish they'd been able to take the decal off the rear window to live. Oh no, 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 no. That was that, no, that that company paid for that. Like that's that, true. That's, yeah, that's true. That was very intentional. Emotional consideration paid for by the father. <laughs> right. And then they ride rides away in a big prom limousine. I thought that was awesome. I <laughs> fucking loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It's so again, it's so big and it's so It is. Like, it looked it was an awesome visual, honestly. I thought I thought that whole segment, I really liked how that went. I really did. It looked it looked good. Randy's like champion now, but like it doesn't even seem like he cares that he's champion <laughs> yeah. right now. And so yes, 
If, look, if you don't want the fucking belt, well, I'll take the belt. <laughs> this I, is real. You He's know? spending all of his time in university research libraries. Like, what is a House of Horrors match? <laughs> every fucking promo is, I don't know what a House of Horrors match is, but uh, I'll be there, I guess. Where do we do it? At a farm? Just, we go back to the farm? What time are you guys picking me up? Where we go? Should I Uber? Are you going to send a car for me? Oh like a horse? God. What do you is do? Is it going to be cold? Do I need a light jacket? Yeah. Do, do I need to put my sleeves back on my vest? <laughs> I think I found him somewhere. They zip on. <laughs> but I just, I just thought about something. Uh oh, guys. Yeah. What cheap audiovisual tricks are going to constitute this match? What are they going to pull out of a black box theater bag of tricks? <laughs> just a bunch of black cubes yeah. that, are, that, are, that are marked with glow tape, so you don't trip. Put on your black hoodies. We're going in. And you're, your black chucks and black jeans. And they're just going to be wheeling backgrounds in yeah. and out. Squat walking. <laughs> Stay low. You can't let the audience see you. Stay, Stay behind low. that shrub. Take your glasses. Take eight. Wear your contacts. Mm-hmm. Your glasses are catching the light. Yeah. I, well, and I know a lot of people, someone did the math because we're Marks. Of course, someone did. And apparently, like a mile or something away from where Payback is, there no. is like the biggest, like the country's biggest haunted house. Oh, no, no. So maybe. God, no. No. <laughs> or maybe they'll just rent some props from there. Can they let Matt Hardy direct it or something? <laughs> yes! Can that happen? He's Wait, there. I hope it isn't a functioning haunted house. So you have Ray Wyatt say, remember, no matter what happens, Randy, none of them can touch you. They're <laughs> <laughs> not allowed. That zombie comes right at you. <laughs> That's what I do in haunted houses. As soon as they come up close to me, like when I go to Universal or any of those, they come close to me, I go, you can't touch me. I know the rules. <laughs> Don't be scared, Randy. It's just a bowl of peeled grapes. Those aren't real eyeballs. That's not witch's hair. It's just a bowl of cold spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) All right, looking at Raw, they also had to build on a major story. Braun Strowman took on Kalisto in a dumpster match and lost. How we feel about dumpster matches? I think that they're fucking stupid. (laughs) This one was good, though, wasn't it? Am I crazy that I I enjoyed it? You know what? I also enjoyed this match, I must admit. It's okay. It's that thing of like when people are supposed to be doing these like death-defying stunts and they're just gingerly going into things. It's the same thing like when it was Shane versus AJ and there's a moment when Shane is like delicately, much like a child in his father's arms, putting shit, like putting AJ on the table so that he could like right. do something. It's like holding like, his head lightly. Yeah, so they just felt like there was a couple of like really ginger like rolls into the dumpster. And really? Like, well, when he was picking him up by the throat after the match and continually no, slamming Yo, no, that, that first one? Fuck. That first choke slam where you picked him up and mm-hmm. there was like, and he like dropped him on the back of his neck. I'm like, that, I don't think he was supposed to do it like that. Oh, that, shit. That didn't yeah. look, that didn't look safe, that first one. And the second two, he kind of did it a little better. Yeah. But that first one, I'm like, oh shit, that's like his C4 vertebrate. Like, yeah, hitting. I guess, it, and I don't know if I still have one of those anymore either. Um, But I guess it's like, I just... <laughs> Also, I just dumpsters are gross, and I can't <laughs> like, like I can't, and I know that that's the point of the match, and I know it's a brand new fucking dumpster, right. and it's been scrubbed clean by many many interns. But like, I can never get the idea, like the thought out of just like what the bottom of a dumpster smells like. Word, right? But did you like the spot? at the end where they finally got Strowman into the dumpster where he's standing and Callisto kicks him in the fucking knees that I liked. so hard that his, that his feet go off. I, I, I really liked the ending. It I didn't. Great. I mean, and I like the visual of him standing there feeling stupid 
and in becoming enraged. I, I really, I enjoyed yeah, it. I, I thought it went good. I didn't think that I was going to be okay with Braun losing this match, but it, like it, it was, it was fine. Braun is one of those odd guys, though, who can lose and still win. Yeah, his beatdown was the beatdown was brutal. I mean, and even even wearing a mask, you could see the look on Callisto's face yeah. of selling. Oh my God, how stupid am I to have won this match? Yeah. Like, like, it, it really that translated. All of that translated really well. It's like, oh, I'm gonna die. <laughs> right. Here's the question, though. Do you think that Callisto got anything out of the win because it still felt a little bit flukish? I think that this establishes him as somebody who can possibly win almost any match they're in. Okay. Just because he, mm-hmm. it was fluky, yes, but it gives him that out. So if he yep. is up against everyone who is bigger than him, which is the entire roster outside of 205 Live. Literally everyone. Yeah. Exactly. So at least in viewers' minds now, there is a chance that he could win a match, which is a lot better off than he was because nobody thought he was going to win this match Monday. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I've always been waiting for him to, because he is he is really good. And I'm not gonna. I know a lot of people are like, new Ray, new Ray. Well, Ray's still around. Ray's right. still doing shit. Old Ray is still. Yeah, still old around. old Ray is still old going. Ray. <laughs> old Ray. Um, but no, I've been waiting for him to have like a, a like a standout match that like puts him in a spot where he's seen as like a contender. And I do think this did that. Yay! Great! Yay! <laughs> Good job, Callisto. No more talking. Now I know. I know. We talked about the House of Horrors earlier. Horrors. 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 Now <laughs> I did not realize. I just realized looking at the script. This is not for the WWE title. I thought it was for the title. It's just a fucking match in an empty barn or whatever shit. That that is really. Does that mean? Does that mean Bray, Bray Wyatt has a, a chance of winning? <laughs> Damn. Does uh, it? If whatever weird theater machinations they come up with happen and Bray actually wins, I will be okay with whatever stupid theater machinations happen. This is all I've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. Do the big stupid thing. I'm in as long as he wins. Exactly. They can do anything. They could literally do anything. They could have a dude come out and be like, I'm lightning and I was summoned. <laughs> no way. No, we need cameras. We, everybody needs to see the I'm lightning dance. Oh, God. I mean, but think about it. How (laughs) insane would it be if Bray Wyatt has a match where he literally gets to decide every dimension of the match, where it takes place, what the stipulations are, whatever, and still loses? If he loses this match, he should have to walk into the sea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm drowning. Water, the sea is here. Is somebody going to walk into me? (laughs) All right. Other than that, (laughs) Raw was in sort of a holding pattern going into the first post-WrestleMania pay-per-view. But there were some cool things worth noting, including Alexa Bliss reminding us how lucky Raw is to have her. Really? We're going to play this game again. Alexa Bliss is the best say what? Exactly. Which is why. What a heel. Oh, God, she's so fucking good. She's so good. What do you guys think of Seth Rollins' new finish? Oh, That high knee. I have... have, somebody else's move, right? It's it's Kenny Omega's Omega's move. Yeah, it's Omega's. But I... (laughs) He's a little bummed. I have a whole other problem with it. Um, Did we not, WWE, take away uh, another finisher from Seth because it looked like it hurt people's heads? Yeah. 
Is that what we did? We sure did. And we replaced that finisher with him kicking someone in the head? It is a knee. Is that better? I don't know. Oh, my God. I think it looks cool. I like it. And it's also like, he ain't got no knees. Like, why are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes, I know. I will hurl the most fragile part of my body at my opponent's skull. Which is like the, the, that's like the strongest part of our bodies, right? Uh (laughs) So we wanted something for Apollo Crews to do. And that wound up being Titus O'Neil coming out after a victory and taking selfies with him? You yeah. said before we came in here, Danielle, that you had some things to say about this, but I... you made me wait until now. <laughs> Ooh, I'm what Danielle has to say about this. Ooh, just... better be good. <laughs> so he's just doing Famous B. He's just doing, there's already a Who? character, Famous B, there's a character on Lucha Underground, they've been doing this for at least a year, if not two years, and his whole thing is, like, get fame, I will make you famous. He has infomercials, he got a white girl, he's got oh these, boy. like, he's got cards that he, like, hands out, it feels very similar to this gimmick, and people, everyone who's watching it is adding Famous B and being like, uh, hey dude, and Famous B is like, yeah, no, I see it. Right. In absentia of all of that, I think it's cool. It's something to do. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be the greatest angle ever by any means. But I, Titus is doing something. Apollo Cruz is headed towards doing something. I do so, absolutely like the idea of Apollo Cruz doing something. And, and I like the yeah. idea that maybe he can like play this for a while. Like like you know he's still a baby face and he's just kind of like letting this happen and at some point do a sharp heel turn and mm-hmm. be all the way with it. Like. I would be looking forward to something like that happening. It would make the smile easier to boo. Matt Hardy, scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most, 1 being the least. Uh, how badly do you want him to just go ahead and be broken, Danielle? I am so ready for him to be broken. So that's and, a 10? Yes. And on Twitter, he is flirting with the, <laughs> the brokenness and being like, oh, my condition, we don't know. It's I'm starting to feel weird and like my condition is coming back and mm-hmm. so good. I'm having consternation in my vessel. Like that. <laughs> I like to slow burn, but I am done with hearing old Hardy Boys music and Jinkos. So done. Those two, those two things I'm done with. But I do like to slow burn up the transformation. So your number is also a ten. Mm, I don't. I don't know. Like I think it's got to be five. Like okay. I, I think because I like to slow burn, but yeah. I'm also done with Jinkos. So like I think that puts me like right in the middle. I would say five also, partially because I'm interested to see how it would play out in WWE, but I also. I love that theme song. I'm sorry. It takes the old me one? Back. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I liked that. it like the first two, three times, but now I'm kind of like, it just, to yeah. me, it. I don't even mind them being the Hardy Boys. I don't want them to be pure nostalgia. Like, I don't really like seeing all them twists of fate and shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, it's just, it's a little much because so much has happened. Like, 20 years has happened between yeah, them Yeah, I'm now. definitely ready for them to go from Hardy Boys to Hardy Men. Like, yeah, I'm definitely ready man. For Hardy Boys to Men. <laughs> yeah. That's gotta happen. Oh, God. Well, every week there's tons of wrestling to talk about, so let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us at facebook.com slash group slash tights fights or hit us up at tights fights on Twitter. That's where you'll find us. When we come back, it's time to remind you of the many faces of a certain hardcore legend that's coming up on Tights and Fights. Are you easily confused by terms like cultural appropriation, cisgender, and woke? Or maybe you find yourself constantly explaining terms like these and you need a place to vent. Do you have a love for all things pop culture? 
social commentary, and politics. Sounds Sounds like like you need Minority Corner. Where you can learn, laugh, and play. Sounds like Blue's Clues. Only it's more black, gay, and ladylike. James and Aneke will happily administer your weekly dose each and every Friday. You can listen on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Minority Corner. With a K. Because the C C was taken. Tyson Bites Podcast. Tyson Bites. Welcome back to Tights and Bites. I'm Hal Lublin and I'm joined in the booth by... Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. Time for another installment. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so unsettling. That was a house of horrors in my ears. Horse! Horse! (laughs) Time for another installment of our ongoing series, My Special Wrestler, where we invite people on to tell us about the superstar they hold dear. You probably know our next guest's wrestler from his recent tenure as a Raw Authority figure, but longtime fans know that's far from his whole story. Hi, I'm Chris Cubis, stand-up comedian, and my special wrestler is Mick Foley. Everything about him, he seems like a teddy bear, but then you watch him do these just horrifically violent things. That contradiction is really fascinating. I'm going to rip. I'm going to tear. I'm going to gorge. I'm going to possibly disembowel. And I'm going to love him. Mick Foley's hardcore tenure goes beyond mainstream promotions, as one of his most famously obscure matches was one that got Chris Cubis into wrestling after he'd lapsed as a fan. I think the last WrestleMania I really watched when I was still watching wrestling was Hogan Slaughter. Maybe 1996 or 97, I was hanging out at a friend's house, and he's like, oh man, you got to see this tape, it's crazy. And he put in the IWA King of the Deathmatch tournament tape. Now he's bleeding on the right side of his head. Oh, and he jams that barbed wire into the face and forehead of Terry Bam Bam Gorey. And I was just like, who, what, first off, what am I watching? Because the last time I had watched wrestling, there were cartoon characters. I'm watching this, I'm like, this isn't even wrestling, this is insanity. And there was Mick Foley. You become the King of the Deathmatch by denying pain, denying suffering. Everybody loves the three faces of Foley, right? Mankind. Do you know what it feels like to sit on an airplane with the stench of your own short flesh and your nostrils? Dude love. Steve-O, baby, it's me, Dude Love, and I am coming to save the day. Oh, have mercy. Cactus Jack. Begging me for mercy, except I can't hear. Because many years ago, in a land far away in a hardcore match, I had my ear ripped off my head. The moment for me is him versus Triple H leading into the street fight at Madison Square Garden. And they have that moment on the Titantron, and it's like... I am. Oh, no. Are you thinking what I think you are thinking? I think I am thinking what you think I think you're thinking. Can you bring him out, Manny? Here he comes. Where is he? Cactus Jack. And then he comes out as Cactus Jack, and it's the guy I saw in that King of the Deathmatch tournament. Crowd pops, and his credit, Triple H sells it like Freddy Krueger and Jason and Michael Myers all came out at the same time. He's terrified. 
that moment for me, I remember just being like, this guy is something special. Cactus Jack will always have that moment for me, but I think maybe my favorite persona is the Mick Foley persona. And it's not necessarily had the best matches, but there's something about, you don't want to say lovable loser, but he's kind of that. He's a guy that never should have made it. And here he is living his dream. It's everything I love about professional wrestling. But it leads into another thing that I love about McFoley, which is he's genuinely funny. You know, he does his stand up now and it's it is what it is. He's a storyteller. But in the art of professional wrestling, he is genuinely good at comedic moments. And then you would watch him do the stuff with uh, Edge and Christian when he was general manager of Raw. And he would have these hilarious moments. Tonight, the tag team champions had to change with the rest of the boys like a bunch of cattle. Listen, guys, I happen to be a three-time former WWF champion and a hardcore legend. I never had my own dressing room. Mickey, you never change your clothes. You just wrestle in what you're wearing. That's a good point. He's almost like a Madonna in the sense that, like, okay, he can't do this anymore. Well, I can show you another thing. I can't necessarily do the crazy dives off the thing, but I'll do other hardcore stuff. I can't really do the hardcore stuff anymore. Okay, well, here comes funny. Like, he has that ability to reinvent himself. in Japan, left buckets of blood on five continents, and God knows how many years of his life, a hell of a cell in Pittsburgh. Well, I don't know if you come and tell Did Mick Foley go too far with the hardcore stuff? I think it's almost impossible to deny yes, but because of the passion and the love that he had for the art that he did, he was willing to put himself through all this extra abuse and, and savagery to his body and he did it for specifically the love of the art that he did, and it got him to where he is. So purely physically, yeah, he definitely went too far, but sometimes you have to go too far to build a legacy. You spoke the truth, and at WrestleMania, you will find that the truth hurts my name. Stand-up comedian Chris Cubis. We'll have a link on our show page to his website where you can keep up with all of his projects. You can find that at MaximumFun.org. Just to speak for a second about Mick Foley, uh, as, as I mentioned in the podcast, I got to meet him a couple months ago at Pensacon, and that was a huge honor because I wasn't a fan for the bulk of his WWF, WWE tenure, but he was truly such a nice guy and such a gracious guy. Again, that dichotomy of like the brutal things he would do in a ring, but then he's a really nice suburban dad mm. in his life. Just shows you how how much diversity there is in wrestling, even in one person. Mm. Mike, what do you think? 
I, I mean, I've always been a, a big fan of his. It's, it's um, notable that Chris talked about, you know, the different personas. Because it made me remember, like, I first started noticing Cactus Jack in, like, 91, 92 when he was in WCW. But seeing him then, though, and he was presented in a very one-dimensional manner, he looked like he looked like a real maniac, like a real legit maniac. Um, and just never having this notion that he would be such a big star, because you never at that point saw the different dimensions of him as a person, the versatility that you just spoke of. He, he was presented so singularly in WCW that it's like amazing that the WWF signed him and then they found ways to present all of these different sides of him to where he could be a champion and be somebody whose legacy has persisted for 20 years. Danielle, what do you think of Foley? I super agree with all that. I think the first time I I saw him, I was obviously like at first like taken by just how much he didn't look like, you know, everything else that was being shown in the product at that point. You know, he was jumping off of cages with a dad bod and like that made him like stand out. So I always appreciated the stunts. I didn't, when I was younger, I liked him a lot more. Looking back on him now, I'm like, oh, that's why all you can't walk or mm-hmm. what, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's always felt like the dad of wrestling. Like he always felt like he's such a good ambassador for the sport. You know, he works with Rain. He goes across the country telling stories. I don't even mind that he tries to put his kid over because she's still better than Brooke Hogan. Like, <laughs> man, if I ever find out that Mick Foley is a bad person, I'm, I think I'm done. Oh, like, you know what? Let me button this to something, which is that the, the last question I asked him on his panel was, how do you want to be remembered? And he took a second to think about it. Uh, and his answer was, I want to be remembered uh, by the other wrestlers as someone who was always nice and and good to people. He's like, because when I came in, there were people there who made it way more difficult than it had to be. And mm. so if I go to Hall of Fame or something like that and people are like, remember me well, that would be how I'd want to be remembered. Nice. Mick Foley's been around long enough for us to have plenty of memories of him. So share yours with us at facebook.com slash group slash tights fights or hit us up at tights fights on Twitter. If you've never seen Mick Foley wrestle before, if you don't have the network, you can probably find a ton of his matches on YouTube worth checking out. Not only his matches, but his promos as well. When we come back, it's time for another three things you should love from the world of wrestling. That's up next on Tights and Fights. So the 2017 Max Fun Drive was a huge success. Thank you so much to everyone who joined or upgraded during the drive and to all of our amazing monthly members. To celebrate, we're giving our $10 and higher monthly members the chance to buy additional enamel pins with the profits going to our friends at the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. What? Yeah. The sale runs April 26th through May 3rd, and it's your last chance to get your hands on these sweet pins. $10 monthly members should receive a link and a code in their email on April 26th, so keep an eye on your inbox and get your denim jacket ready. For more information, visit MaximumFun.org pins. And thank you again. Tyson Podcast. Tyson Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. Every week, we like to end the show by sharing some of the joy of pro wrestling with you. 
This is the three count. Danielle, you're up first. What are you going to put over? Well, it basically was announced this week that somebody from TriStar and somebody from WWE Studios saw uh, the founder and was like, oh, we have a guy that went from coast to coast and did stuff, too. So there's going to be a biopic about Vincent Kennedy McMahon, which I'm assuming is just going to be the parts where... You know, he went and and took some of the most talented people from the territories so that he was able to elevate the sport. <laughs> he did kind of do that. He, he did kind of do that. But that, that is one side of the story. And that is the side of the story that we're going to get, because that's yeah. what happens when you get to tell your own story. Well, you know, the script was written mm-hmm. a couple years ago and had been circular, circulating around Hollywood forever. But Vince didn't want it out. So... They they weren't going to do it, but then they finally got him to sign off on it. Yeah, well, and I'm sure that what had to happen is yes. that WWE Studios had to be involved. Yeah, they. I mean, they're involved monetarily. I don't. I don't know how much they're going to be involved in the creative. Yeah, they're producers, so I don't know. I yeah. mean, he's. We we don't know how involved he's going to be, but we know that there are some things they're not going to talk about. Sure. But yeah, so I don't really. There's not. Really, I mean, we can do this clip. I. You guys know I, I'm also on uh, Screen Junkies News on like usually around Tuesdays, and I um uh lobbied until I was able to find a way to talk about wrestling on my other show. So if you want another kind of breakdown of that with me and my bud Joe Starr, we talk about it there. But also, I mean, you just heard me talk about it now. So (laughs) yes, I want to put over the idea of how ridiculous it is that Vince McMahon gets to tell his own fucking story, essentially. I'm very hurt that you appear on another show. I can't believe the betrayal. I, I don't share your sentiment. Yeah. Sorry. Appearing on another show? Who would do that? <laughs> Hal Lublin does. Hal Lublin is on eight other oh, shows. Oh, fuck. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. That's so great. Mike, what do you want to put over? I enjoyed the the newer presentation of Table for Three on the network this week. I was a fan of the old show, too, but the old show, they seemed to put together three guys who obviously traveled together, had a lot in common, and were just shooting shit over dinner, which was cool. But on this iteration of it, since they put Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, and AJ Styles together, um, there was a lot of discomfort in this Mm -hmm. dinner, you know, bringing up different things like the match that was supposed to happen, well, that AJ wanted to have with Shawn Michaels and and bringing up, you know, um, the Bullet Club doing the click hand sign Mm. with the click and actually having that conversation. So even though it's still table for three, it felt a little bit more like a shoot interview and some of the other programming that they have on there. I was really pleased with that. And here's a clip from it. If it were even creatively in the context of, you know, the character arc for me, it would be, you know, it, creatively that would be something interesting, but it's like it would be this whole thing. And then right, it, this would just sit here independently. And that feels, it feels like a part due, but doesn't have anything to do with the, you know, you know what I mean? It's like a yeah. sequel that doesn't have anything to do with. It's like Rocky Five, Like it was not the right one to end the series. So <laughs> oh. they made Rocky Balboa. He, and, you, and you get this whole insight into him because I've actually heard him say things like this in other mediums too. I forgot who else had asked him a similar question, but he looks at his in-ring craft like such an artist. And he was saying now, even in this, he says, oh, guys are like, oh, you guys can have months to work it out or whatever. He's like, I've never done it that way. Mm -hmm. I've never like worked out a match with somebody over months. So why would I want to do that now? Like, and he has a lot of real good reasons. And, and I think he gets nervous because they come off a little selfish, but I think if you're an artisan, like, like he is or portends to be, then I totally get that. You know, you got to go out on your own terms. Yeah, for sure. This week, I'm going to put over 
JBL, hold on. What? Hold your heat. What? Hold your heat. He filled in on Talking Smack for, I I don't know if if Breeze had the kid yet, but it's obviously happening very soon because DB is nowhere to be found. Yeah, she's about to pop if you you follow their YouTube, and she is ready to have that baby. She won't take out of her dreams and into her car. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So JBL filled in, did a very good job, (laughs) in particular when they were reviewing footage of Ginger Mahal uh, stealing away with the WWE title in that rented limousine, uh, he had this to say, which I just thought was a, a really fun skirting of of kayfabe and shoot. Did we know where he went? That's with that? video evidence of a felony, by the way. He so stole the that. WWE championship. Wait, why don't you take this uh, ticket you got, and we'll take that footage, and we'll try to get some rights. I am. I'm really mad at Rosanna right. for doing this. I was a big fan of that. Not those. a slow move. Um, all right. Why don't we go ahead and bring on our you know what? Uh, last he is a, he, uh, he may be a piece of, of shit. None of us know exactly what happened. All we have he are definitely stories of other people. was a piece of shit. Yes. I don't know if he continues to be a piece of exactly. shit. Exactly. But love him or hate him, he's good at his job, guys. Yeah. Sorry. If you, if you want to throw hate at him, watch him host that show. He does a really good job of putting over every single piece of talent who comes in. Yeah, and that this is that is a felony. That's that's a real And that's video one. evidence. <laughs> that's a really fucking That's like some shit we would say. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I, and, and every un, yeah, talking smack, regret, regret, regret. <laughs> <laughs> talk, talk smack was great this week, and he was a big reason why. And almost, you know, he had a great interaction with Brizongo, great interaction with uh, Becky. And talking smack for those who haven't seen it ends with a bang this week yes, as well. It does. Yeah. I saw that part. Yeah, it does. Because that does. was on the that was on the line. Um, that oh, was on the online. Did you guys see the story that came out today? No. Okay, well, then let's blow the roof off of this right now. So the the last guest was Sami Zayn, and the in the middle of his interview he's attacked by baron corbin and what happened uh what he attacked is what usually happens which is you just hear people go can we get help <laughs> and the help came in the form of two referees one of whom was pushed to the ground by corbin for trying to take him off of Sami Zayn. now there is a kayfabe one week suspension of baron corbin Ooh. by shane mcmahon uh, at a statement which is like no athlete in any sport should ever uh should ever handle an official it's unprofessional conduct for that reason I am suspending without pay for one week, Baron Corbin. How about it? That's nice. Yeah. I like that. That's I like that. It's those little, those little things. It's like yes, you are a fucking Fortune 500 company. You th- that is what you should be doing. Yes, beautiful. Bravo, SmackDown. Good job thinking about stuff and not having Shane co-host. Yes. Oh God, the soggy one himself. <laughs> That does it for Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Our hosts are Daniel Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Lublin. Our producer is the king of script style, Julian Burrell. <laughs> Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music as well, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long at Facebook.com slash group slash Tights Fights and at Tights Fights on Twitter. And if you love the show, remember to hit those five stars on iTunes and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to our donors who make this show possible. And we'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, Rassman. Tyson Fights Podcast. Tyson Fights. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.